Welcome to Heroclix Borderlands. I'm your host, Shay McClure, bringing you the meta-casual perspective on Heroclix, sharing my insights, thoughts, and experience with other players who love this awesome game at all levels, just like I do. Whether you're playing a casual home game, local tournament, or at a regional or national event, taking on the latest competitive team, this is the podcast for you. All comments, suggestions, or questions can be directed to our email at lostinclicks at gmail.com. That is L-O-S-T. I-N-C-L-I-X at gmail.com. Also, you can private message me on acrealms.com under the ID of Colossus TN. Or go to our Facebook page of Heroclix Borderlands where you can message me or just read the latest articles and videos I've run across about this wonderful game. Today is episode 041. That is episode 41. Following up with the great Howard Brock interview today... This episode is named Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them and Who Other Than the Man Who Can Corral All Those Fantastic Beasts. Yes, the ultimate, ultimate beast tamer. That is PG Bo- PJ Bolin. PJ Bolin will be in the house tonight. So why don't you listen up and maybe we'll pick his brain on how he comes up with such great team ideas. Thanks. All right, Heroclix fans, I'm here with PJ Bolin. I said that right, right? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, sure. All right, cool. All right. PJ has agreed to join us here. Join us. It's just me here in the studio, my room, and kind of talk about team building. But before we get started, we want to get to know PJ. And I want to ask him a critical hit of questions. That's six, has two six sided dice of questions. Trying to find out just a little bit about you. Are you ready to go with it there, PJ? Yeah, ready to roll. All right. (laughs) Cool. Okay. So, PJ, when did you start playing the game? What set? Um, I learned the game when it was new. Uh, so all the way back in what Infinity Challenge, was the name of the first set. Yeah, as a first starter set, Infinity Challenge. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I scoffed at it because I played Mage Knight and Mech Warrior, and I'm like, these are clearly superior games and will last much longer than Heroclix will. Uh, I didn't start actively playing until like Web of Spider Man. Web of Spider Man. Wow. What was the like I didn't play competitively until uh, uh, Superman Wonder Woman. Okay, Superman Wonder Woman. That was the one with the Colossals and Adam yeah. and all them. All right, so some more recent. I won't say recent, like three, four years, maybe. Three, yeah, four. not not too long. Okay, after the War of Light series, right? So you came in after War of Light and it was Galactic still Guard. Legal. Yeah, it was still legal and modern. Okay. Playing. Cool. So what? Okay, so I don't know if you remember, but what was the first figure you pulled? You know that first set web of Spider Man. Um, the uh, the Deadpool, the ridiculous regeneration Deadpool. Oh man, that sounds like a cool figure to get. Right? Oh yeah, I was stoked. And then my second <laughs> booster, I pulled the Nightcrawler. Oh no, not Nightcrawler, not yeah. the one. That was, oh man, that thing was ridiculous. I remember that. Oh, that was a fun one. Um, So here it is. This is question three. All right. So we are going to, so let's go to question three. What is your favorite part of Heroclix? What do you enjoy most about Heroclix? Uh, Hands down the community. Like uh, if I haven't met as many people or made as many friends as I have, I probably wouldn't even be playing this game anymore. Like the game itself has holes mechanically that can make it, taxing mentally but everyone's so great it just makes me want to keep coming back oh yeah i'd have to agree every time i've been to a competitive event the community is awesome i mean they just kind of make make the event you're right there's some little problems with the actual game itself but 
the community itself is like one of the best things about HeroClix. It's a great, great way just to kind of meet up with people. Um, so we're going to jump to four. Who has helped you the most with HeroClix? Oh, man. Um, that's tough because there's been so many people that I've gotten so much help from. And, like, and, and don't worry. They won't hold it against you if you don't mention them. But just you <laughs> choose one. <laughs> uh, honestly, when I was first getting into the competitive scene – like uh, a couple of my local guys helped a bunch, but like the person who helped me get over the top would have been Easton uh, Brock. Okay. Yeah. Easton Brock. Yeah. Wow. Like he yeah. was the first like super competitive player that would take the time to talk. And like, you know, he would tell like after we played, he would tell me what he would have done different, helped me. And then, you know, me and him start talking on Facebook. And now me and him are pretty good friends. So what? Well, and I, I can see that in you, too. I know when we played, you took time to just talk to me a little bit about my team and about what went on, and you helped me during the game, too. So I see that he's kind of influenced you in doing that, too. But So that's that's awesome. That makes a great community, and that's, that really helps e- any player out. Um, it really does. Yeah, I like that. Uh, and I would recommend anybody to do that. You know, everybody should be doing that with each other. I mean, this is what makes HeroClick so much fun. All right, number five. We're on our fifth pip of the dice. What is your favorite power in Heroclix and why? Uh, Sidestep because um, mobility is key in this game and being able to do it for free is the best. Okay. I'm telling you, that's the hardest power. When I dropped out of the game and they introduced Sidestep to why I had been dropped out and I came back and Sidestep was probably the hardest power to really understand and get used to. When it was beginning of turn, it was a nightmare. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, what's going on? And, and, And being old school, I was having a hard time counting range and all that with that sidestep in there, you know, the ability to run shot or, or the ability to shoot and then step behind the corner. It was just kind of crazy. So, yeah. all right. Um, last question of this die. Uh, what is your favorite team or figure that you have played? Um, my favorite team was probably the, the uh, first team that I ever won with, which was the uh, Ultron drone swarm team that oh. played. Uh, it was a plus 10 robot theme. <laughs> Plus ten, that's crazy. All right. It was uh, it was so much fun. I, it's the team I've played the most. Um, I played it at a Rock Cup. I played it at a Worlds. I played it at Nationals. Um, it's it was so much fun because people just didn't know what to do, and the team was super consistent. And I feel like if I could go back with my the skill level I've developed now and play that team, that I could have a big title with it. Oh, you you could retire that team as one of the all-time great teams, right? Is that what you're thinking? Oh, that's in, in my opinion, it was the best team at the time. And it, I was it, just too bad of a player to make it good enough. So, so what? You ran ten Ultron drones? No, it was six drones um, and four. Uh, so six drones, three brimstones, and a Solaris. Oh wow. Okay, wait, 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 wait. Did I see? I saw that at Worlds, the first Worlds I went to. Oh my gosh, I do remember that team. And I was like, oh my gosh, what is he doing? And I remember you. I went undefeated in Swiss the first year I played it at Nationals. And so I, I, and I scored a bunch of points in round one. So I stayed at table one the whole time and people were just excited to see it. Cause that's like, that was the meta of like zombie team base and you know, like Quinjet and like, it just had such a good zombie team base and Quinjet matchup. 
that it was fun to play. <laughs> I did not realize that was your team because I remember I do remember that was like my first year I tried to qualify for Worlds when I was there, and that was just well I just I just could not believe it. I remember I remember it in Nationals watching it and I was like oh my goodness that is just a crazy team I mean I was like who came up with that and it was so competitive <laughs> I mean I cats off there I didn't realize that was your but that that's one of the teams I made note of that time yeah, I was that, like, that was my baby. Yeah, well, it was a good baby right there, I must say. <laughs> All right, let's go to that second uh, die of questions. Okay, first one. Do you like to roll dice in a cup, box, or on the table? And what? Uh, cup, because I don't believe in table probs. Oh, does that drive you crazy when the when the dice get go splashing off the table and all that? Um, it, not really. Like it's not that big a deal because I understand as people get nervous, their hands shake, and that makes the dice just kind of go everywhere. So, yeah. Um, I do it like I I when I get like antsy in a game, I'll I'll feel myself starting to shake, and that's why I'm glad I use a dice cup because the dice are always right where I want them to be. I, I, that's cool. And you know, they're, they're shaking up and you don't have to worry about any uh, accusations of cheating or anything like that using a dice cup. So it's not bad. All right. Second one. This is a big one. Now I always pride. I always have all my guests answer this question. So you tell me, so I have this Ill- Illuminati theme. So if you could be any Illuminati, who would it be and why? Um, it would be Magneto. Oh, awesome. Um, he's one of my favorite X-Men villains. Um, if you call him a villain, I don't really call him a villain. But, you call him misunderstood? Is yeah, that what? exactly. He's a, he's a dark-sided anti-hero. Um, okay. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I just love, I love his power set, and I love the character himself. Himself, like it's just so well written, so well done. Okay, um, cool. Especially when he's Illuminati, I really like that whole arc. The it's it Earth twenty three nineteen or something like that. All right, so there I'm gonna put you on my list. You're gonna go down as Magneto. That's cool. It's the first Magneto on the list there, so that'll be awesome. Yeah. So I, wait, and this can be a side question. It's had nothing to do with the six. So, do you like? The current title character Magneto? Uh, he's fine. Like he's not good or bad. Like I don't know. That's you know. I, I wish he was a little better, but I think he's cool for what he does. Okay, and granted on that. Okay, so number three. This is a, this is a very telling one. Uh, are you a prob or per- perplexed man? Oh man, yeah. I think it just in a nut in a in a vacuum prob, but there are so many situations where I'd prefer perplex. Okay, well, prob in a vacuum. It's always good to have that re-roll of a dice, right? Always have that backup on that probability. Yeah, perplexity don't need line of fire forever. Like, I mean, after activation, so, like, you can use it and then running shot and not have to worry about making sure your prob line's good. That's true. All right, so, and and, and it has a lot of multiple uses. So, Mm -hmm. I think think somebody once said they like prob when it's a single character perplex when you're doing multiple attacks. Yeah. It's cute, especially on defense. Okay. Number four, what is your favorite game format to play in? Um, right now, it's probably a 300 Rock Age uh, with the Majestic's ban list. Uh, opens up all kinds of possibilities of team building, doesn't it? Yeah, and it, it's so much fun. <laughs> Especially break off some old pieces that you don't have that are kind of sitting around, you know, you, you want yeah, to use. It really helps, like, use your collection, like, you know, you invested in all these older things and you keep them it's not just to take up shelf space and gather dust. You have these pieces to play these pieces. So I like that Rock Age is a thing. Yeah, and I know when I had Howard Brock on here, he talked about that. And he was hoping 
but he didn't know if WizKids would keep that. And he, he, you know, he, he expressed, you know, it's not really Rock Age doesn't make them money. But from a player base, you hate to have those things rotate out every two years and you don't really see them in a competitive environment or in a lot of tournaments. So let's hope they do something that keeps that around. Um, let's see. Number five. What is your favorite map and why? See, this one's tough because, like, I just love maps that are open. So, like, a muck time sporting arena, like, arcades arena is pretty open. Like, any one of those, I think I would, or a turtle lair, um, any of those, just because they're so open. And if I'm playing against a team and I'm playing a team that map doesn't matter, I can just go play hero clicks on an open map. Like, it doesn't require using walls, using blocking. You can just go throw dice at each other and see what happens. Okay, so you like that open map. You know, now like some people like the strategical labyrinth type maps, but okay, cool. More open, more out. You like to get at it, don't you? Yep. I like to play aggressive. <laughs> oh, I do know that. You are an aggressive player. Okay, <laughs> number six. This is a big one, and especially this could be a preview. Let's let's just you know it is what is it? Worlds this weekend coming up. Yeah. Coming up weekend. All right. So, if you were the world champion, what figure would you want to make, and can you describe it for us? Um. So I would probably try to make a swamp thing. Oh wow, a swamp thing. Yeah. I mean, he has not been done great. No. <laughs> not at all. Um, I don't really know what it would do, but I would try to get away with getting a map made with him. Oh, that'd be cool. Kind of like the bonus. So, so, okay. So you're thinking like the maps out of the uh, Batman? Yeah. Or um, alternatively, I'd like to give him like a trait that's five points that gives him a map bonus that you assign to a map of your choice during force construction. Oh, my. So like I say, okay, I pay five points for this trait that has this effect and this consolation if I'm playing on uh, Underground Cavern. Okay. All right. I think something like that would be really cool since they're doing the location bonuses. It makes sense for Swamp Thing to be reliant on like the nature or the map itself, you know? Okay. I, I like that. I like that. I mean, not, not a lot of people would take on the figure of Swamp Thing because of his history of not really doing much of anything in Hero Clicks, but man, that, that'd be a nice little challenge. So I'd see what you'd come up with. I have not seen many, I, I think all the World Championship figures have been pretty good. I'm trying to think. They've all been at least cool in their own right. Like some of them, maybe like the ideas were great, but the execution, like the dials ended up not quite being as good or like, yeah. I don't know. I like most of them. I, I do too. I, I was surprised. I mean, when you first saw it, Mephisto surprised me how well he yeah. actually kind of worked. So I was like, eh. I, like I think the only one I don't like is Faust. Oh, the, the, uh, Ooh, the Felix the Faust? Faust? No, not Felix Faust. Okay, the Faust one. Faust, okay. Superman Wonder Woman. That was the Team Worlds piece that Majestics made. Is that the one with the triple targets? The, uh, he rolls like three dice when he attacks. That was it. That was it. Okay, man. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah, he was just kind of okay. I don't remember much about him. I know he didn't make that big of an impact. I remember Mephisto made a big impact and like some of those others did. But anyway, that's awesome. Swamp thing. We'd have to be looking for it. Cool. You answered the critical hit of questions. You got through two six-sided dice of questions. So I do have one thing I want to talk about before we move on. I just sat down. I read it. The rankings off of um, 
Majestics at MajesticsCCG.com. They have the articles there that you can get free or premium. This is a free article. I recommend even getting the premium ones and paying the uh, subscription because uh, you're a writer there too, aren't you? Yeah, sure am. Yeah. And uh, all of my articles are premium. Yeah. And I mean, I love your articles. You do great articles. The tournament write-ups are great. But this last article about Will Gordon, which is a free one, you can kind of get your toes wet about what kind of quality articles they have. They have you the power rankings of the top 10 players, and you are now ranked number two. Number two, according to Will Gordon, as the number two player behind none other than Daniel Powell, which he's well-deserved, you know. But my question is um, – what do you think about this honor? What do you think about it? Does it add pressure, or is it just kind of neat that you're recognized in that way? Um, so I feel like I'm one of the few people like who I, I don't personally care about lists and whatnot. Like uh, going into Rock Cup, I was number one on Will's power rankings. Okay, and. Like, yeah, it's an honor for people to think of me as the best or second best or whatever, but it doesn't add any pressure. Like, I don't feel any different about being on a list versus not being on a list. Like, if people think I'm great, awesome. If people think I suck, cool. (laughs) You know, I, I play the game to have fun, not to make lists. Oh, that's awesome. That's a great that's a great attitude, especially that way he doesn't I mean, hey, if we all should just be playing it for fun and we it'd be a lot more fun for everybody. Um now you have done the miles and put in the time. I have seen you at many tournaments, I've seen your write ups. Do you feel like worlds could be a breakthrough? I I mean, you you've come close. I mean, and this is could this worlds be a breakthrough where you can actually get into that top two? <laughs> Um, you know, I hope so. Like, I feel good. I'm confident. Like, I'm, I'm always confident when I go to events. I always feel like I have a chance. Like, I never I, – I won't ever play anything where I feel like I'm eliminated by when I sit down. So, like, I, I feel good. I don't want to say that I'm going to just go in and win, but I feel like I could definitely win this year. All right. I mean, just like anybody, I mean, I coach basketball for for a living. I do. I do a middle school. I mean, you can't control everything. There are certain days you go bad or whatever, but you you have a solid plan. You have a good team. You're ready to go see it. And if, if you get a couple of breaks, you know, hey, you could be there at the end. You feel like you're ready to go take it to the end. Right. Yes, for sure. All right. So what do you think has hampered you in the past? Have just been bad matchups, uh, just some bad luck? What was mm-hmm. hampered to the breakthrough or anything? Well, I don't know. Like rock cups have always been like not very friendly to me. Like I've lost in top 32, all three of the ones I went to. Um, so <laughs> for one reason or another, like uh, one year was um, it was a close game. And he admitted to me if I would have done something, he would have misplayed. But I can't play around that. So that was Steve DiCarlo. And I still complain to him about that. To this <laughs> That he told me he was going to mess up, and that made me super mad. <laughs> uh, the next year, I just straight up made a play mistake, and I lost because of it, and I accept that. And then this year, I don't want to take it away from Caleb, but I could not have got any unluckier. <laughs> like, what? every time Lockjaw had a token, I rolled a six. Ooh. The vast majority of my attacks, like, it was just – it was a bad game. <laughs> That sounds awful, man. And it is what it is. Like there were people watching and just shaking their head. And I'm like, I looked at Caleb. I'm like, man, this game isn't even fun for me anymore. Like, just end it. Like, yeah. 
<laughs> I, mean, I mean, when you start taking those bad beats like that, you know, it's, it's kind of hard. I mean, it's hard to fight through. I mean, it's still a dice game. I don't care what anybody says. There's still some dice involved, and sometimes they just roll all against you. But Yeah, and uh, um, uh, in, I got, what, two years ago, or not this past Nationals, but the one before, I got second because um, I couldn't roll five with, with a prob in favor. Um, then we I've got second in Team Worlds. Um, Howard rolled and needed to roll a 10, rolled an 11. I probed a single die prob, rolled a, prob, probed the six, and he rolled another six. So it still hit and hit my whole team, and I lost from there. Um, what other big ones? Uh, my Like I've missed Top Cut at Worlds twice. Oh, yeah. Wow. So, um, I don't intend to, I don't intend to do that this year. <laughs> so that would be a good trend to break. Um, and then I, I won Canadian nationals this year. So that was something. So I, I can't say, I guess it's a misnomer that you've not broken through, but you know, um, at number two was really good. Didn't Matty G beat you that year in nationals? Was that the year? Matty? No, I lost to Dustin Cedars. Dustin Cedars. Yes. I could not remember. Yeah. Dustin Cedars that year. Um, so, I mean, you're right there. You're on the verge. A um, couple of breaks. I'm yeah. sure you're going to bring a very interesting team like you always do. And I can't wait to see. I'm going to be watching. I'm going to try and watch. Hopefully, they'll broadcast them because I love watching it. Uh, I heard that's in the plans. So. Well, that'd be cool. I love to see you on camera. I love I love watching your matches. They're always fun. Um, I did know something. Did you think it was odd, the schedule this year? I'm, I'm just breaking off topic here. But <laughs> did you think it was odd, the schedule? When I looked at the schedule for events, did you think it was odd the way it was set up? It's so weird. Oh, man. You're not alone thinking it's odd. Like, they have so much going on on Friday. Yeah. I I, I didn't really understand that. But I've never been to a PAX, so I didn't know if that was part of PAX. I've always went to Origins. And and the Worlds is on Friday, right? No. Teams is on Friday. Teams is on Friday. They have teams in the beginning of the day. And then if you make top 16 of teams, you qualify for Worlds. If you don't then the grinders start immediately after. Oh, man. Wow. So that whole day, if you miss top 16, is going to be a very grindy day for people. And, and they're wanting you to pre-register too? And then, yes. then I read, and the so, yeah. yeah, so it's, it's going to be different. I, I think this is a different setup, and it might take a little bit for everybody to get used to. So, yeah, I knew there's something. I read it, and I was like, well, that, how's that going to work? That's going to be odd. But, yeah, it's going to be weird. Uh, we'll see. Hopefully everything will go well and everything will be going on. So um, anyway, I appreciate you talking about that. So I want to get to the main topic. The reason why I have you on here is I think you're one of the top uh, team builders. And I mean, a guy who can take a lot of different things and make them different than everybody else has been doing. So I I wanted you on to kind of talk about that because I think that's a skill I'd like to learn a lot from. So I always say, go to the guy I I admire most about his team building. And that's you. I think you, uh, hey, no problem. I think you and... um, Happy little hero clicks, uh, Devin. Y'all yeah. have some unique ideas. Uh, I think you have done very well in some of your execution. I mean, all that. So I wanted to get you on board and I named this uh, episode Fantastic Beast because you can go find the beast from anywhere and turn them into these fantastic little teams that are just great. So uh, you're one of the top team builders and innovators. Uh I know you're a student of the game in the competitive environment. So let's look at how you build teams. What starts the team building comp process? A figure, a combo, an archetype? What starts it? 
what uh, gets you going? You know, honestly, it's all three. It's just all three of them have a given time. Um, if like there's some time like when uh, Samantha Wilson first came out, the Captain America, I was like, I want to build around this piece. And then but then, then there's been other times where it's like uh, like for nationals this year, um, Tigra can free attack the fast forces penguin to give my whole team charge. I want to build around that. Um, and then uh, archetypes are just always there. You know, when you're looking at like X-Men, you're looking at cosmic, you're looking at Gotham City, like whatever. So it's just a matter of it's kind of how I'm feeling when I'm deciding what I want to play for an event. Okay, sometimes it's just inspiration, right? One figure comes out or some combo comes out and it just gets you thinking, right? How can I abuse it to a point? Exactly. All right. Uh, But you've got to have some standards. Every team builder has some standards. So what do you feel like is needed on every team and what's your criteria? Um, I think you need to have, um, between the three big support powers, I would perplex prop. You need at least two of them. Um. Asking for all of them is a stretch um, yeah. or having like a pick a power piece counts as having all of them to, to me because you have access to whatever you need at the time. Um, I feel like every team should have perplex. Um, you should have some type of prop. Outwit is the least important of the three. Um, but what every team needs to be able to do, uh, it, like we'll just say in current modern, not die to a Sam Cap Alpha strike and also not just lose to teams that are like Goblin King, like big oh. temples. Like that's well, important. You can't, you can't damage it quick enough yeah. or take it out in time before you lost too many points. Right. So you need something. You want a team that doesn't have a long setup. Like uh, there were a bunch of people wanting to play a bunch of barrier with Thor Odin's son, right? And then you use his ultimate, so they double token. It's like, well, that's all, all well and good, but what happens if you die before that happens? You can't really fight back. So, oh, that's true. Yeah. Like, uh, long setup loses to fast teams and – like you, you have to be fast. Like, is it? Do you, do you feel like that's the? And I'm, I'm off script a little bit, but do you feel like that's the current thing you have to worry about? Is that the fast setup, the tempo of the current game is quicker? Yes. I yes, mean, I think the game is very in your face right now. Like the the least in your face team would be like Starro, but it makes you be in your own face. So. <laughs> Like you, true. Have to, you have to engage against Starro because he will win if you stay on the other side of the map. Right, right. You, you, you've got to cut down the advantage that he has and have to come yeah. after him. You have to be ultra aggressive against Starro. Otherwise, Starro wins. Same thing against like uh, Penguin teams, like uh, Gotham City Underworld. Like You have to go commit to their pogs because the longer you take, the more pogs they have. Oh, yeah. And then it crowds the battlefield and you have way too much to worry about. Yeah, you just get out of action. Yep. Yep. That, that, that's, that's, that's a problem in the game. Um, okay. Here's the thing. So we have so many sets coming out. Now, I think not this past year, but the year before when What If and we had all that other stuff coming out. Had a lot of figures being thrown at us. So when you see these figures, what intrigues you about a figure that makes you consider them for a team? Um. For me, the first thing I look for is, does this figure do something that's never been done before? And if so, is that effect worth playing? So like right now, a big piece I've been looking at is Sheriff Steve Rogers, the common out of the new set. Oh yeah, very um, good piece. Yeah, I, I think like he's him. incredible. I think he might be game deciding in modern. Um, I'm not playing him for worlds, but I feel like people should be just because that's, 
the no no bonuses to attack is a really big deal in the current modern state. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I did like that about him because it's like a universal what I call it, universal outsiders. It's like yeah, <laughs> it's like hey, no, this is universal, guys. Oh Sorry. yeah, for sure. And like with how <laughs> relevant like Star Fox is, and he can really only like he can perplex up his defense instead, I guess, but still like. If you can make it to where he's trying to roll an eight, like we can get up to a 20 defense, that's better than him needing to roll a six. There you go. I, I agree. I mean, he is. He is. He does have that little building. He's a common, too, so he's very yeah. gettable by players, you know. So, yeah. yeah, so it's stuff like that that I look for first. <laughs> okay, now go ahead. Sorry. Sorry, go on. You're good. I'm just saying anything that does anything new is the first figures I look at. Okay, so those unique powers are doing something different. You know, always give them a second or third glance, right? Yep. Kind, of, kind of move them around. And always, you know, I always say you need to come back to them because they might not be, their effect might not be relevant right now, but later on when another set comes out, they could be relevant. Oh, yeah. There's, um, like, I have, like, a, I, wanna, I don't want to call it a board because there's no physical board, but when I say I pin something, it'd be like I pin it to this mental board. Like, mm-hmm. there's pieces that, okay, if this gets an effect that does something along these lines it could be broken so i'm gonna put it on the board <laughs> yeah so you so you put it out there and you go yeah all right cool um i'm, I'm gonna ask this and this is very obvious but i think it needs to be addressed do you think range is still king oh see i don't think that's actually an obvious question like uh when i was reading through the the script here this is the hardest question i get for me to answer okay wow i actually <laughs> don't know i think it's super balanced between close and range right now uh, with the reduction of range in most figures right now in competitive? That, or? like, with you're seeing a lot of sixes and sevens, your occasional eights, but right. you're looking at a lot more charge pieces that are relevant in the meta. Okay. Yeah. A lot of blurry pieces that are relevant. Like, the game obviously still is shooty, like, um, mm-hmm. but I think close is more relevant now than it ever has been before. Yeah. I, I would, I'd agree with you because I have seen more close pieces make an impact right now. And and range has not gotten ridiculous. Cause, you know, before it used to be 10s and 11s and yeah. you, you could keep stuff so far out of range. But now with the advent of the sixes and sevens and the charge pieces having like giant reach or like they can charge six or five, you know, all of a sudden it's about. And with the new maps, with more, you're having to run around corners, you know. Mm-hmm. It's it, a lot it, protect. Yeah, and so now with sidestep and some other stuff that's going on, you know, you can you're going to get um, an uptick in your uh, charge pieces. So I could see that. I, I don't think anybody's scared of making a a charge piece. Would you think going at going putting minimum range out? Would you Would you take a team with no range? Uh, mm, that's tough. I don't know that I would take a team with no range. <laughs> But I would take a team with little. I mean, like right now, all my like I would take a team that my only range was on ID cards. Like I would okay. do that. Like I mean, uh, one of the one of the better teams right now is Lila Cheney and four Wolverines. That's true. I mean, they they don't have really any range. The range comes from the call-ins they get. Yep. Or, or if they wanted it. So and yeah, a whole bunch of charge flurry. Yeah, and, and you know what? They hold up really well. I mean, for a would you call that like a beginner set competitive team is, I mean, it's highly expensive, but an X-Men it, team? It, it's super simple when it comes to the basics. 
because ultimately it's move up and then charge flurry and hope to kill something. But at the same time, like uh, in an experienced set of hands, it'll do a lot better because like uh, threat assessment, uh, knowing how to use your perplexes, knowing when to call in, like all that stuff is super important. Um, so an inexperienced player might not quite be able to get used to all that stuff, but it is a beginner friendly team. Okay. I agree with you there. I think I, I, the beginner team. <laughs> yeah. Now, and, I, and I ran a Wolverine team that you decimated in uh, in Nationals, but that's okay. <laughs> I would, I, I'd never come up against a lockjaw, and I was like, well, okay, this is not going to go well. But it's all right. I had fun. I learned a lot. So, um, so okay, my next question. Some teams look so good on – paper but they fail to produce and i mean i've come up with several of those i'm like these are gonna be awesome why do you think they fail um so I've, I've done this too where like i'll write a team out and i'll be like man this is awesome and then like i'll go to put it on the map and i'll be like wow this is actually not very good um sometimes it goes to like sometimes it's over complexity to like pull things off uh some things have poor recovery um which is something people don't look at when they build like if this piece gets hit for four am am i crippled like so if your team can't recover from taking attacks then it'll be not as good because um then there's also like uh if your alpha strike range isn't good then you get hit first that's bad um so like some of those things you don't see when you're first building but you see once you start playing it and that sometimes can be too late Okay, so like I'm putting down here, one thing to do with a team that you're putting together is just look at it from the viewpoint of assume you will be hit. Yeah, right. just just plan on like because no team that you play is going to run out and kill their whole team in a turn, right? Right. Like, realistically, that's not going to happen, and barring something being completely overpowered, and then I'm sure someone else is displaying the same thing. Um, but like always, look at if I play and it's worst case scenario, do I just lose on the spot? Like, am I playing like a team that's all in on that new chase Odin? I go up and I miss, do I lose? If the answer to that question is yes, don't play the team. (laughs) That's great advice. I know when I played the, um, anyway, going back to my X-Men team, they could take a little damage. Oh yeah. You know, they'll take damage and if they didn't get the alpha strike, they could still come back and do a lot of little neat little things to you and just have a little and like Wolverines are super durable. Like that's what I mean by like a team with good recovery is like that's a perfect example. (laughs) You know, and I mean and one one match, and I'm I'm gonna digress because I I still smart over this. One match I played totally wrong against a uh, Unimind, a uh, full point Unimind. Mm. Uh, and I ran out there and I just, instead of, I tried to run away instead of just going to the middle of the map, setting up and daring him to come hit me because the retaliation was going to be because he had one token on him. And after he retaliated, then I was really going to come after him. And that's really what I needed to do was just sit in the middle of the map. Just let him, he's going to get one shot at me. I had to make it the hardest shot he could get, you know, and then go pummel him. Cause that's really all I had. That's, I mean, I couldn't chase him around if I didn't do that, but Anyway, I didn't. I tried to run, and he got a shot on me, and that was the game. I lost by 10 points. That was crazy. Yeah, those are hard. Those are hard. Okay, so enough about my bad play. Uh, People always talk about tempo. How can you build a team to control that? Um, Controlling the tempo is not really doable. 
um, more so like because tempo is originally a term for magic mm-hmm. where it's, you're using uh, low value things in the beginning of the game to establish yourself to where you can take over in the mid game. Um, tempo and hero clicks is a lot harder because it's more about self tempo versus the tempo of the entire game. Um, so tempo for clicks to me is being able to make the most out of your actions every turn. Right. Um, if you have turns where all you do is clear and that's like, not like, I mean, if it's like turn 11 or something like that and that happens, okay, yeah, sure. But if you're doing that on like turn three, turn four, then you're losing control of the tempo of the game. Um, so I guess, uh, you know, okay. So I have to digress a little, I guess you can <laughs> control the tempo by understanding when to go to two action tokens, because like say that they're pushed, right? Right. And you have one token and it's your turn. Sometimes it's better to just clear because they're going to clear. And then you can start your, your turn at with where you are on zero tokens first, because if you act and go to two, they get to clear, then your next turn they then that you clear. So they have control of the tempo. They're untokened before you're untokened. If that one attack isn't super important, sometimes it's better just to clear to have the pacing in your favor. You know, and I've, I've always thought that too. I, know, I always struggle with if I see them push and then for me to go ahead and push to attack, sometimes I won't do it because I'm like, I don't want to be double token, you know, Yep. Just because, you know, I don't want to, what if I miss and then they're going to come back and hit me and I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be messed up again. So yeah, there, there's nothing wrong with just taking a turn to like sidestep and reposition to prepare for your next turn. Like if they're not doing anything that's going to be super threatening, like, especially if we're looking at like Goblin King. Right. Or, or you know, a big tent pole of any kind. If they're double tokened, there is no reason for you to just hurry up and go to two tokens. Like you have time. Yeah, so. and, and, and yeah, I'd agree with you. That, that's 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 an interesting look to it. Yeah, the um, I would say even when you're building your team, if you're looking at your team and you play it, and you are having to go like turns where you're just clearing, you know, you you, you got to really question whether or not your team can uh, keep up the pressure it needs to to win a match. Exactly, like you should be acting with half your team and clearing the other half. Yeah, you should. I feel like once you let up on pressure, and it's the same way in basketball, once you let the pressure up, you give the other person a chance to breathe, their options all of a sudden open up more. Oh, yeah. And, and then and then you're in trouble because then all of a sudden they're finding a way to relieve pressure. And so it's all about once you engage to keep the pressure on to uh, kind of make that team kind of crumble on down. Um, you know, I'm, I'm going to jump to this next question. Okay, we hear about archetypes, and you know, you talk about them in D and D and other games like that. So, what are what are the archetypes of teams that are currently in the game? And can you explain, you know, what is a base archetype? You know, it's kind so, of uh, for this question, are you wanting like super basic archetypes or like current variants? Like, uh, so like an archetype right now, you could say is cosmic, or you can also say. Um, like a particular cosmic variant is like more of a uh, less engagey type team. Okay. Yeah, I think let's go basic to start, and then we can probe some of them. You know. Okay. So, um, what's a basic archetype that you're seeing right now? Uh, so basic, you have uh, you have your aggro, which is going to be like your Wolverines, where it's I'm in your face as quick as I can and doing as much as I can, and hoping that I do enough that I don't just die. Okay. Um, then there is, um, I would like to say there are tempo teams. Um, 
ones that like uh like tom's gotham city team um okay which is what i'm playing for worlds by the way um i adjusted it a little bit but i am gonna play gotham city all right Um, cool so we hear it here you're gonna play gotham city all right um like it just it has it's like three separate teams all in one like the pacing for that team is just like insanely well put together i tried and tried and tried to make drastic changes to it to change like how it played and tom just nailed it like (laughs) so Uh, I made a five point change and that is it. <laughs> well, well I, I, Tom is a great player and a great innovator too. So just a genuinely nice guy. Oh yeah, he is. Awesome. He is a, yeah. So, uh, so we got those, we got the aggro, we got the tempo. Is there any others? Yes. There's point denial, which is pretty obvious. Um, like, so goblin King, uh, like your don't die tech teams, which kind of aren't around right now. Um, but it used to be really popular, like with Resman, Dead Man. Oh yeah. Um, but right now, like you could have point denial with like Deadpool Prime, Lockjaw, you know, whatever stuff that's hard to kill. So you score a little bit of points, and just make sure your opponent can't score any. Okay. Um. Let's see. There are uh, Pog factories. That's I would consider that an archetype, and, where and you literally. Are- sit back and chuck out pogs and make them come to you. And aren't they getting a lot more popular with the autonomous yes. feature? Because, I mean, they're not costing you action, so it's like putting out extra attackers, more, yep. more actions for you to do. So, yeah, that's crazy. All right. So we got pog factories. Any others? Um, unless I'm just outright forgetting something, I feel like that covers the basics. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Uh, and, uh, I, you can, uh, like... Um, like ID reliant teams like Blackbird. Okay. Where it's like, uh, I would call that like toolbox. Okay. Where you have a bunch of options. You have, you know, uh, or you can also apply that to like pick a power pieces. Like if you're playing multiple pick a power pieces, you'd call it a toolbox. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that the toolbox team that has all these different little things that they can do. Yeah. Okay. What about, where would you put Starro? Um, top three. Okay, but which archetype is? Oh, uh, which archetype? My bad. Um, uh, tempo. Yeah, probably. Yeah. I don't think it's point point denial. Maybe no, a pog factory. It kind of is. It, it's kind of point denially, just because Starro has a deep dial to stop click. Star Fox is hard to kill. Lockjaw is hard to kill. Like a, a lot of games I played with that team, like went like a uh, hundred to twenty three. So. Okay, wow. Yeah, yeah, I'd put them up there. Yeah, like tempo or point denial. Type, yeah, it's like a tempo point denial team. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, and it turns you into an aggro team if you're not careful. You just, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I don't want to be an aggro team, but I have to be because it's Starro. But okay, so those, those are our basics. So, what variants are you starting to see? And what should we, what, as if you're, I look at it from, I'm a local player who's making a way I don't play some competitive events, you know, which ones are going to trip me up the most as I work my way up the ladder? Which ones do I need to worry about? Which one of these archetypes do I need to worry about? And which ones do I, I need to actually kind of build towards? Um, so the hardest, what, as a beginner, you want to play aggro because it's the easiest to pick up and learn. Um, point denial is super finesse and tempo takes a long time to get used to. Um, Like, because controlling, like, making sure the pacing stays right 
can really throw off inexperienced players. Like um, without getting any practice in and you try to pick up and just play a tempo team, you're going to have a really bad time because you're going to be like, well, I don't know if I should act here. And those decisions should be clear. Okay. So, um, so, so we're looking at aggro being your, your, your first level tier one team yep. to start with. Right. Okay. Yep. yep. And then tempo is your last one. Would you I say? would. Yeah. Yeah. Would you, and point denial is in the middle? Point denial is definitely in the middle. Uh, pogs are probably closer to the aggro side. Yeah. Um, there's a lot to remember with it. Like, there's a lot of actions, but once you can get used to just using all your actions every turn, like, that's just fine. Like, it's it's less tempo because you're just always doing everything you can. Okay, and what about toolbox? Between point denial and tempo, or? I, I would put it, yeah, between point denial and tempo. Okay. It'd probably be the second hardest because understanding when to use what tool, because like, especially with like Blackbird, if you use an ID too early and end up needing it later, then you messed up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that, that, I think, I think the toolbox needs a lot of practice yep. against different but, teams. Yeah. I think the Blackbird is the hardest team in modern right now, like to pick up and play. Um, and I think that's why nobody's playing it right now. Oh yeah, it might take uh, what f- two or three months to get somebody good enough or get it well versed enough to handle all this. Yeah, like I think it's fine in the meta right now. Um, uh-huh. Like uh, Lane won like two or three states with it. Um, I won that Canadian Nationals with it. Um, but after that, like me and him don't want to play it anymore because we played it a bunch. And other, I saw other people trying to play it, and they're like, "Man, this team's just so hard." I don't know that I'm going to be able to do it. And then they would just give up. Oh, yeah. Um, there are so many moving parts. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah. And I've, I've had a team like that. Uh, I think I played one like that at a WKO. And I kept for, I played a um, roundtable team. Mm. Uh, a teleporter team, actually. But right. I kept forgetting stuff. There was so much stuff to remember when doing it that it was, you know... I, I should have played it better. It's one of those I just came unprepared, so it's just like, whoa! I, yeah. I, and that happens. Like uh, I've showed up to events with teams I have no practice with, did terribly, and just been like, well, probably should have put that on a map before I showed up in a tournament. <laughs> Maybe should have ran, kicked those tires, and lit them up and see what happened. All right. <laughs> hey, so let's go down this. And so to give people, we've we've given names to these archetypes. So let's. We've already named Agro. That's the Wolverine team. Okay, X Man team with Wolverines with their stop click. Huh? Uh, Samantha Wilson variants are aggro, where it's just all the way into your face, call something in and see what happens. And the shredders were that way, weren't they? they uh, just, I, I, yeah. Oh, man. Shredders are like aggro tempo. Okay. Yeah. Because they don't take tokens unless you want them to. So it's really easy to control pacing with it, with shredders. Yes. Yes. They, they, are, I, I, they are fun. You ever seen a shredder team versus a Wolverine team? That, that, gets, that gets really fun. Yeah, <laughs> those two go at it. Um, so, give us an example of a Pog Factory, current Pog Factory that's that's very competitive and one that really puts out a bunch of Pogs. Um, so, like, I played Gotham City Underworld at a and I got like top four at two super queues, and like it relied on like making penguins. It relied on Title Harley, who has the ability to roll and make Pogs, and then it also used uh, the Fast Forces Poison Ivy to make the Biting Vines. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. So, like, that's... Uh, I've posted it a ton of places. Um, 
but that's basically the team. Um, it's just you can go theme or not. Um, I actually think not theme is better now um, after playing it because the consolation for Poison Ivy's map is better than the if you win map. Okay. So, um, so like I would play like Fast Forces Ivy, both Penguins, Tidal Harley, Groot, uh, Mephisto. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I, I don't remember if that's everything, but that should be about everything. And you get a ton of pogs, you get a ton of, you know, things to do. Cause like the biting vines are autonomous. The, uh, the Harley pogs are autonomous. I, I, that, that new autonomous is, is very abusive. And I think it's a subtle thing. They changed, you know, it's just got yeah. kind of put in there. And then once you realize that you're like, wow, these are just free attackers. I'm not free. I mean, you're still tokening them, but the ability to attack with six people at one time. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, it's, I just think that's crazy in Heroclix because you're just breaking a fundamental rule of actions. You know, yeah, you can make, like that team, uh, the most, what, seven, eight, nine, ten. I made 11 attacks one turn. Holy crap. I don't know how you survived that. Oh, I just, <laughs> I mean, their attacks are like nine and 10. So, <laughs> but it's, it's like they're probing each other. Oh, well, this one missed, this one go, you know? Okay. I mean, it, you bring in a lot of trouble alerts. <laughs> Oh yeah, and it, and and I have even um, okay, so I have even toyed around with taking some of those Pog factories and teaming them up with Doctor Strange, where he can give you that if you use his empower enhancement that plus one to your attack. Yep. And then even Golden Skull thrown in there because he gives you a plus one to attack, and and then all of a sudden you're looking at these things, these things starting to really starting to add up as uh, issues all of a sudden. Um, heck, one of my favorite pieces to play is Dorky. And his ability to change objects into mindless ones. I like him. <laughs> I like him a lot. <laughs> Especially when I played in a Rock Age uh, online tournament and somebody brought a Gamma Bomb and I went and stood dorky right beside it. And right before it blew up, I turned it into a mindless one and just started walking around. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? what? And I was like, yeah, I'm, you're not going to explode that on me. Sorry. Yeah, well, happened. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, okay, so okay, so we got the Pog Factory, got the aggro. What's Point Denial? I, I know it's not very popular right now. Uh, you know, one of the best teams in the in modern is Point Denial. Okay, two hundred seventy five point Goblin King. Oh, that's true. Man, he is a beast. He is a beast. You know what? That's another archetype. Uh, Temple. Temple. Oh yeah. Yeah. Temple. I. They are. They can be okay to me. Temples are. They seem to be easier to run because they're less moving parts. Yeah, uh, you have to really against swarm teams. You have to know who to take apart. Right. Um, for me, when I look at a temple archetype, anything that's over half your build is a temple. Okay, like, okay. Unimind is a temple. Yeah, because everything else is built around him to help him. Right. He is. He is the guy that's going to wipe people out. You know, either he's going to call IDs in at a such a certain high level that you know they can really hammer you. Um, so, anyway. All right, I understand what you're saying there. So we got tent pole. Tent pole is that other one. And where would we put it in our hierarchy of ability to run as a new player? Um, I'd probably put it like second, like uh, in ease. Okay, so you're saying like aggro, tent pole, pogs. Yep. yep. Right. Yeah, less moving parts. I agree there. Less moving parts in a tent pole make it easier to ram through a lot of rounds. You know, you can 
you can you can take some good teams out. All right. Point denial. Once again, uh, Goblin King can go in there. Is there yeah. another one? Um, used to be ha ha Joker, right? He used to be a big point denial guy. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of point denial pieces. I just don't know that there are any current other than Goblin King any like uh, super playable point denial teams. Yeah. Because like I, I mean, there are like if you put all the good point denial pieces together on a team, it's probably good enough. Because you can play like Joker, Lockjaw, Deadpool. Like that's what? That's 200. Yeah. Uh, Corrupt Cop is 240. And then Filler, uh, like a couple Iron Hearts, I guess. Yeah, you, you would think, though, even that team would give up some points. Right. I mean, stuff is going to die eventually. Yeah. Uh, so I think right now it's like if you want to play some type of point denial, it's just have stop clicks and have ways to heal off of them. So, like, like I said, Starro is kind of point denial just yeah. because if you don't kill Star Fox in a turn, it's very easy for him just to be healed back up. Yeah, yeah, that makes an issue. I, I do notice that when I watch the Starro matches, the I, mean, I think Tom played in the final versus Daniel. Is that right? Yeah. And, you know, he went after Star Fox. Yep. Kill him, kill him, kill him. First turn, did the tank drop, which I love. I thought people slept on the tank, you know, after it got nerfed. I thought, well, I think the tank's still pretty good. You just tank have to find the right. Huh? Sorry. The tank is definitely still good. Yeah, and I love him with Professor X because, I mean, he's just, just there and drop it on somebody. Um. Anyway, so we've got pointing out, what's the toolbox team? You, you said Blackbird. Blackbird. Right? Yeah, that's probably the only one right now. Yeah. Um, just because you can get a debt super deep in your IDs. Yeah. Like uh, the team I won with was playing eight. So that gives you a lot of options. Yeah. So, that, yeah. And, and that, yeah, Blackbird, I think they, I don't know. What What are your thoughts on the Blackbird? A little bit better than the Quinjet in in the face mm-hmm. of uh, balance, I guess. I feel like they're exactly even. How do you think? Like, Quinjet, so the, the Quinjet gets to bring out real boys as a free versus a power but you can't score the real boys against blackbird oh that's so it's it's like against quinjet if you one shot them you scored them right because they would they wouldn't disappear until after the damage right right okay yeah so that's the balancing technique there on that um otherwise they're pretty much the same thing all right tempo while we go what's our tempo team gotham city gotham city yep um Okay, I have not. I, I love the Gotham City set, and I think there's a the Batman set, and I think there's some interesting pieces in there. And I know you say Gotham City with this Pog generation, all that. So their tempo, because uh, well, me and my buddy always say, if you have to shoot a Pog and score zero points, you just basically got end capped. Yeah, <laughs> you just you just put a token on yourself to kill something that's worth no points. Exactly, it's it's, it's a non-action. That's yeah. why the lack of you know, against me, against a POG factory, Pulse Wave is a way in which you can take out a lot, you know, or Energy Explosion. Or maybe I'm looking at it wrong, but you don't have a lot of great Pulse Wavers out there right now. Uh, there's a couple, um, but no, not really. No. Maybe one of the – have you? and I know you, you, you're you a big guy with this, with this figure. Mistress Death with the new WKO object. Oh yeah, I'll be playing that at some point. <laughs> Mr. Steph is my girl. <laughs> well, I know. And you worked hard to make her work, and I thought you did a great job with it. But yeah, she, there's some there's some things that can go with her. And this is gonna lead us into our next one because I think you've given us some great examples. Um what equipment do you think should be considered for a team? 
So, um, so I think that's big right now. It's equipment. Yeah, I, I, I do. I agree. Um, certain teams don't want any because you don't have time. Okay. Um, like if you don't have time to pick it up, like if, if, if you sit and look at your team and you're like, can I equip this turn one? If the answer is no, you probably shouldn't play it because it's too slow. Like it's really easy to go get a light object and pick it up and bring it back with anybody with sidestep can drop it onto whoever's going to equip it and you can equip it. Um, but like the only exception to that's Goblin King because like you don't you, you want to take as much time as you can anyway so it's whatever. Um, but I think right now there's only a handful of super playable equipments. So like we have the Symbiote, we have Mjolnir, um, we have the Venom Harness. Okay. Uh, like the Mirror's okay, but it's not better than the Symbiote. Uh, why why do you say that? I, just bring out the subtleties of it. I mean, because yeah, most people would... The chance to break is a really big problem when you're playing an object to give yourself shape change. Like, not only does the symbiote give you shape change, it also gives you plasticity and auto breakaway. Yeah, and all the mirror gives you is shape change, and it can, it'll can break one-third of the time, right? One or two? I think it... Yeah. Yeah, break one or two. Yeah, so it's, okay. it's a reverse rollout, like, essentially. Yeah, yeah so... Uh, that just it's it's always gonna break when you don't want it to and you know and then there's like people throw mindless attacks at it right and hoping that it breaks and then when it does it's like cool (laughs) (laughs) so there you go okay that's a good that's a good subtlety use of it yeah um venom harness yeah the mirror is easier to equip so like if your team doesn't have a tk and you want need something you can go out and get and drop on top of somebody yeah the mirror's great because it's a light object that's the right. only upside to it symbiote's an immobile object right so yeah. you have to get tk'd out to it yes. and equip it so okay that makes a huge difference um so you have those no others oh man i really in my opinion i really think those are about the only ones that are super playable uh the excess specs aren't legal yet otherwise they would be the only one that i named Okay, because they give you a lot. (laughs) They give you a lot of options. Oh, yeah. And when somebody's like, well, what piece gets better with the exospecs? I'm like, "Uh, everything. Yeah, (laughs) that's what I'm like. Single piece, unless they can't equip it, that doesn't get better with the exospecs. Yeah, and and let's just briefly let uh, everybody know, because that's always a question. What are the only characters that can equip objects? Standard. Just standard. So no giants, no colossals, no tinies, no vehicles, um, and then uh, no lockjaw because he specifically states he's not a standard character. Okay, so there you go. So so only people, um, only people who are standard characters can equip objects, and it's just a it's a power action to equip them, and which is nice because before when the relics had to be rolled, right? Relics had to be rolled, yes. And there's always that chance you wouldn't get it. So always made you mad going out there and wasting a turn doing that. Um, so uh, why would you need equipment? I guess that's the other big question. So if you're sitting here putting together a team, you're sitting here with 10 points, I'm going, okay, do I need a piece of equipment? What's going to – I'm. Gonna, these are the main ones I can choose. Why would I need it? Um. So what you would look at first, uh, one – is like is it better than ids for what's left in your points if you know if ids are better play the ids um the next thing you want to look at is how quickly you can equip it if the if you can definitely equip whatever it is turn one 
then play some type of equipment and then decide what is best for the character that you want to equip. So like, um, you know, like you're looking at playing Star Fox, right? Uh, obviously, you want to play Mjolnir with him because it synergizes so well. Because, you know, eight range flurries are better than... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, better than zero range flurries. Eight yeah. range flurries are nasty. Yeah. yeah. So, like, Mjolnir is more of a mandatory thing for certain builds. But, like, even if somebody showed up with Star Fox with no Mjolnir, I wouldn't fault them. Because Star Fox is still good without it. So, um... But a lot of the times when you're playing like Symbiote or Mirror, it's because you just want that piece to survive a little bit longer. Okay, yeah. You I can see that. Before, it used to be the Hulkbuster torso, right? Like you would put right. that on somebody to give them invulnerability so that they would definitely survive a little longer. Be able to survive a hit, yeah. And sometimes yeah. that's why you see um, – at least I think that's why you see Peace Machine on some teams every so often. Yes. To, to, to limit damage, to give basically everybody what I consider invincible. Because, okay, I'm, I'm sitting here with super senses. If you hit me, I'm just going to take three because of Peace Machine, you know, just like if I had invincible all of a sudden. I'm just going to take three. But anyway, this is some thoughts on that. But um, what about Colossals? Um, well, uh, like just for like, uh, uh, the, the ones I consider playable Groot, Mangog, Flora Colossus, Carnage, uh, both giant girls. Um, that might be it. Can't uh, you're not, you're not, you're not including the newest one. Um, Tri-Sentinel. Oh yeah. Tri-Sentinel is good. I forgot all about him. No, I was forgetting something. Uh, you don't like Dormammu. I mean, he's a little yeah, costly. Uh, 35. 35. That's Mangog in an ID. <laughs> yeah, true. Mangog is really good. I like Mangog him. can actually just win games. Oh, yeah. Like, you get him to the other side. <laughs> no, not even the pulling the sword. Just his retaliation hits for four, then hits for three on their entire team. So, like, somebody who's unprepared can actually just lose the game to Mangog. I've seen it happen. Like where they just they go up and shoot at him and miss and then all of a sudden he just comes in and kills like four figures like that's game deciding for 30 points oh it is it is um yeah and, th- and that kind of damage output like you said can you recover after a mangog hammer you know so okay um so you only consider those as your top colossals right the other one's right forget it I think the other ones aren't even playable. I mean, there could be one or something that I'm... Oh, Gigantum and Namor at uh, 50. And Surter. Oh, I forgot Surter. Um, Surter, yes. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. Um, Gigantum and Namor at 50 is pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I will say that. Yeah, he's good. Okay, those are all really good ones. Uh, why would you consider a Colossal on a team? Uh, they're good filler, um, and they're great for aggro teams to have in the back. Um, obviously, don't play them if you're breaking theme. Uh, Groot is awesome for a 20-point leadership that gives you two pogs. Um, like, he's just insane for his points. Uh, again, I said, like I said, Mangog can win games. Um, Floras are inherently hard to kill if they heal, like because then once they heal at all, like, this is why I swore by this piece. This is why I own 18 of them. <laughs> if you if they heal one time, your opponent now has to attack a 10-point piece twice. Yeah. 
What a waste. <laughs> exactly. If you want to do that, buddy, go for it. Like, I'm not even mad. And yeah. and it goes on to – and Florida goes on to sidestep after the first heal. So you can just start putting pressure on with a 10-point piece that has to – that's hard to kill. Yeah, not counting know. how many times you – like, if you keep healing or if you're in water or – um, then uh, Carnage is, like, your best filler one. Because, like, uh, if you only have so many points, like, under 20, like, if you are – or if you already have a group, Carnage is really good just because he has a good attack value. Um, Giant Girls are good because they have Avengers keyword, and main set Giant Girl doesn't have the Colossal Indifference and still has Retaliation. So, like, you can still – after Retaliating, if she doesn't just die, um, your next turn, like, you could charge with her or punch anything with her. So there's huge upsides to playing her. Um, Fast Force's Giant Girl can retaliate with other retaliations. Yeah, and that can get brutal. I mean, Surter also can just win games. Uh, Ignoring all defense powers is a really big deal because he can shoot through stop clicks, Um, especially since he can just attack Starro because they're the same size. That's a real big Real big thing. <laughs> oh yeah, and, and what he's got eight range too, doesn't he? Yeah, I forget that he's got that eight range and so. twelve attack. Yeah, yeah, he's he he's 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 a great attacker. And I mean, if you put anything in with him, and if you're going up against other colossals, he can just start picking them off. I mean, just taking them out. Okay, that's good. That's a good. That's a good update on the colossals. Uh, so let's get into mistakes. What is the biggest mistake you notice in middle tier players in their team building? You just go up and you see you're a pretty good player, but that team has something wrong with it. What's What's the biggest thing you notice? Mm, this one's another tough one. Um, with sometimes with team building, like uh, people get into the mindset. <laughs> Like two different mindsets, I guess. One, they have to build and use pieces that are already established as good. That doesn't mean just because it hasn't won an event that it's not good. And I think that's honestly a mistake people make is they force themselves to play pieces that they're not comfortable with. And then they don't know what to do with those pieces. So I know that's that's more of a play thing than a building thing, but it's kind of both. Oh, that's you not realizing what your strength is yeah. and taking a team that you're going to struggle with, which then handcuffs you and, you know, keeps right. you from coming to your ability. So, yeah. I mean, I'll have people message me and ask what they should play. And I'll be like, well, what have you played the most? And I'll be like, they'll say Avengers or whatever. I'll be like, well, then you should play that because you're going to do better with a team you're familiar with than a better team that you're less familiar with. Like understanding how your team works is way more important than playing what is quote unquote the better team. Um, another uh, another big thing you see with team building is like the exact opposite uh, of what I just mentioned, where people get stuck on what's already established. They get stuck on trying to play things that aren't established. So they play a whole team of stuff that's just not necessarily good and trying to make it work. Mm-hmm. So like it's okay to like splash a little bit of less desirable pieces with other stuff and seeing if it works, seeing if it meshes, but just making a whole team because you want to be different and you don't want to quote unquote net deck is uh, that's going to hinder you more than ever help you. Isn't that like a reverse arrogance in your belief that you can just, 
And so in that case, you blind yourself to uh, some fallacies. Mm-hmm. Um, like if you look at the teams like um, that I play that people are like, oh, this is a great new team. More often than not, it has a couple pieces on it that are already established as really good. And then maybe a couple of fringe pieces that could be good if they were sitting right. So. Right. Or if they or they just they happen to synergize really well with these other pieces that are sitting pretty. So yeah. that's good. That's good. I mean, I, that's great right there. I think I think that is the difference between your middle tier, your top tier player. Your top tier is going to play the competitive teams that they're very comfortable with. And they're mm-hmm. not going to take teams they've not play tested to realize, you know, this is just crap. We can't take this. Um but, you know, looking at the current meta scene, and I don't want to call it meta scene, the current competitive scene, you're going to look at it, and we're kind of looking at it as a whole. Um, looking back to Howard Brock when he brought that 175-point Goblin King that nobody knew was coming and dropped that in, can you see something like that having a big impact on a tournament right now? A left-field team, team that nobody's prepared for. Um, I don't want to like. I don't. I don't think there is one right now. To be okay. completely just upfront, the biggest problem with that set is what it dropped so late. True. Um, to be fair, like uh, there were a handful of people who knew about Goblin King and knew how to deal with it, um, but just you know, Howard won. Like yeah. <laughs> he just played better, um, but. I, right now, with with uh, battle world being out for as long as it has, everything's pretty much established itself. Especially since there were just a whole round of WKOs, right? Like a lot of your sleeper teams are going to get played at the WKOs. So if there was something that was like astonishing, we would have probably seen it. The only piece I think that could make a splash that we didn't see much of was Thanos Prime. Oh, I like Thanos Prime. I really do. He's, I yeah, think he's pretty I, good. I, I, I haven't figured out a build that I like for it yet. Like, it's not just, like, fragile. Okay. Because he gets really bad when he takes damage. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. I agree. I agree there. He does. But I do, I do like that piece. He is really good. But, I, you know. Um, to directly answer your question, though, if somebody does find a team that is from left field, they probably have a very good chance of doing very well. Um. I don't like I said. I don't know that it exists. So if somebody figured it out, they're smarter than I am. <laughs> okay, and, and and it's going to do well because why do you think it does well? Those left field teams that are that are solid, not not just a crazy team, but a solid competitive team nobody saw coming because of lack of uh, play against it. Um, some people rely so heavily on knowing what to do in the matchup. If they go against a matchup that they don't know what to do, they shut down. Yeah. Threat assessment problems. You don't right. know. You don't know how to handle it. Yeah, like you don't know what's going on. Like that's what I had going with me for that mistress death team that I played at nationals. So mm-hmm. many people just had no clue what was going on. And and in time you figure it out, um, I mean, you know it's too late. Fifteen squares away. Yeah. Like, yeah, but, but do you think? <laughs> but I do. I do want to ask this question. Do you think, like in a setup where you're playing five Swiss rounds? And you're heading up into then a a final cut, you know, single elimination. That you know that team's going to do well the first three, four rounds, but you know players going to start talking about that team. 
Yeah. And and, and and you know what? Team, especially in the new team format. I know you're part of uh, of, uh, of Edward Shelton's team. Yep. You know, and and so even you all would sit around and talk about that team, right? Try to get some ideas. So it's harder to take a team like that all the way to the top because at, the more it gets played against people, the more people start figuring it out. So best and, case scenario for a left field team like that, right? Right. In five rounds of Swiss, start out zero and two, <laughs> and finish three and two. Okay. Nobody will think anything of it, right? Because if a team starts out zero and two, it's not good. Automatically, that's what you assume. Um, you barely make it in the top cut, and then that's when the surprise factor kicks in. Because I know I'm going to be just upfront. If somebody has a neat team that's 0 and 2, I'm not going to give it a second look. I'll be like, oh, that's cool. And then I'm going to walk away from it. I'm not going to like sit there and try to evaluate how it's playing. So, so this is the PJ slow play of, 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 of surprise teams. <laughs> Yep. Now, I'm not saying intentionally drop your first two games. I'm just saying that's probably the best case scenario is you lose early and then squeak in. And then the team starts to roll. Yeah. It starts finding good matchups. Yeah. And then, like, you get the surprise factor on the better players. Like, uh, you're going into top cut, say you squeak in as the 32 seed. Then all of a sudden you're playing the one seed and you beat them because you didn't know what was going on. That's a big deal. Oh, oh, it is. And then there's not enough rounds to figure it out. There's not enough data information that people's collected. I think over five rounds of Swiss, if you're if you're dominating, people start to have a strategy against you because they know, you know, I mean, and, and that's really top tier. Top tier players notice what's going on around. They don't get totally. I mean, you're focused on your game at the moment, but then you pay attention to what's going on around you because you know what's coming up. Or uh, a big thing that I do is, uh, like, say I'm playing next to a team that I'm curious about. I'll talk to his opponent after the round. Be like, what did he even do? <laughs> and then wow. get a little bit of a rundown. Because, like, everyone's so friendly. Like, realistically, I could just talk to the person and be like, hey, how does that work? That's interesting. And they'd probably tell me. <laughs> well, that's, a gr- that's a great thing about this community, too. So, I mean, it's a strength. So, that'd be cool. I mean, I, I, I see that, and I think that's the next level. I think yeah. top tier people make sure of all that. So. I, I have a super a surprise team I'm using for uh, the Majestics Invitational. Okay. It, I can't I can't tell you because it's so much of a surprise that I'm not going to talk about it at all, and then show up and like it's going to get banned immediately after it's done. Like it's it's that good. <laughs> oh wow! Wow. So, See uh, that that'll be fun. See I'm gonna be looking forward to that. Yeah, I love I, seeing I, that. I talked to one of the guys that's going to be there. I'm like, yeah, like, like just for some numbers, I have an 80% chance to win with my opponent, not interacting. Um, oh my gosh. So like, that's nasty. Right. <laughs> if, I that's go, not- if I go first, I have an 80%. <laughs> um, that's, that's like no fun hero clicks here. Oh, you don't get to do anything. there. <laughs> well, no, no, no. The game is actually just over. <laughs> Oh my gosh! So, like, it, it's like five ten minutes, and then if if I if the twenty percent happens, I just concede. So like, <laughs> it's all or nothing. You gotta love that. Roll the dice every time. Yep. You know, I'm and going all in. You get what fifteen minute matches. We're done. Yeah. It's gonna take longer <laughs> to explain what's going on than actually doing it. Uh, they will like, make I, you I run. I told one of the players about it, and he's stoked. Like I didn't tell him how it works. Because I don't mm-hmm. want anybody to know how to build against it. Because um, there are things that you can build against it to stop it. But, like, it's just super fun to think that somebody's actually really excited. He's like, dude, if you did that to me, I would be stoked. 
Yeah, that'd be that'd be funny. And you know what? They're ten minute matches. <laughs> You're like, okay, it'll be done. All right, we're good. Okay, um, okay. I think that's very informative. I got, got a lot of insight into some stuff there, especially about, you know, what to do in the middle of a match. You know, you know, if a left field team's coming up, you know, you got to just gather data on it and see how it's kind of played. Um, and when to pay attention to teams and when not to yeah. per PJ. Yep. Um, what type of teams require more work piloting than others? And why is that? Um, it, it's definitely tempo teams, like for sure. Like just because there's so much, so many moving parts and understanding the pacing, understanding when to act with what, um, understanding threat assessment properly, like what's going to mess with my tempo, um, what pieces am I allowed to lose? Uh, Like what can I extend with Um, understanding my opponent's reach? Um, There's so many things that factor into playing tempo that don't factor into playing aggro because you don't care about their reach. You don't care about any of that because you're just going to move into it anyway. You're a come. Yeah. Yeah. You're just coming across the map right at them. It's very, very straightforward strategy there. All right. Um, What three maps you think have the biggest impact on teams in the current modern age? What three maps have the biggest impact? Um, probably the Iceberg Lounge. Uh, that's the penguin one. Icebergs. Yeah. And why would you say that does? Because the seals can kill your colossals, and they're autonomous. Oh yeah. Oh, and that would be you. Uh, who on that map? You have to have a penguin to get a seal, right? Uh, you have to have a penguin to get four. Okay. So, like, you get, like, four seals or three seals on a puffin. And they, like, all have plasticity super senses, 10 attack. Like, oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Just for five points, too. I mean, you're just getting that for five. And they give up zero. Like, yeah. So, and that's four extra, basically four extra figures for your team. Yeah. And and that's huge. Start out in the middle of the map. Yeah. So, they, so, they, so as Edward would call it, they gained a tactical position almost immediately on the map. Yes. Right. And so, then you're fighting – an uphill battle and regaining the tactical edge in positioning. Yep. Because, a, a huge thing to look at with them is like, uh, if like you just look at the layout of a map, they start out in row 12. Um, your opponent has to put their object in row 19 or 18. Sorry. Mm-hmm. That's exactly six squares away from where your seal starts and they have a six movement. So they have a symbiote. Okay. I'm going to go stand on it. that is hilarious you're right there i mean i mean that's some stuff you need to think of that's that's a good one what's another one so that's one the iceberg lounge Um, underground cavern the star trek map just because of all the blocking yeah and the line of sights it has weird line of sights so yeah i agree um and then probably i don't know maybe wakanda because there's so little improved targeting on hindering right now Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Cool. I like those. All three of those are very standard maps. You see, I thought Underground and Wakanda was at the last nationals. About everybody had one. Yeah. It felt like every every team had to have an Underground because you never know. Um, okay. Theme team. We've talked about it a little bit, but currently, how important is it? Uh, you know, I think it's. I don't want to say it's not important, but I don't want to say it's too important. I think it's like right in the middle. Like certain teams, it's important for. Um, you just have to accept if you're going to not play theme, you have to play a team that's not reliant on any type of map. Like you cannot have a single map that shuts your team down, or you have to play theme. 
Right. And so, so it's kind of a consideration. You always consider theme. You always look at it and you go. But if it's going to severely, if a map doesn't give you such a tactical advantage that it kind of makes you have a very weak team, you know, you might, you, you better go with an out theme and try to build a team that's more more uh, flexible on different right. maps. Right. Okay. So here's an important question. So you're looking here building a team. Is there a, do you have like in your mind how many attackers you want on a team? No, not not really. Um, I mean, I guess two is probably like you always want a primary and a secondary. But like with IDs being a thing now, like you have infinite attackers like at your disposal. Um, True. You just need to make sure you compensate accordingly. If you can look at your team and realize you don't have a lot of offense, make sure you play plenty of offensive IDs and make sure you have enough prob and perplex to make those hits count. Yeah, that's that's good advice there. You want to make sure every hit counts. I mean, you're going to miss a few, but yeah, but like hitting for one, meh. Yeah, really. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't do you any good. Sometimes you have to look at that. Um, how does your team building change in a sealed format? What are you looking for? So if you sit down as sealed, not everybody likes sealed. Uh, sealed, huh? I love sealed. I, I do too. I love the challenge of team building with like 10 figures you're throwing in there. Yeah. But what do you look for right away? Almost immediately. You automatically look for bombs. Like you, the 200 point, like spider queen, the chase black Panther, you know, the obvious stuff, like the, the big, big temples. Um, Cause I think temple and sealed is the way to play. Um, okay. Next you look for your probs. Then you look for your perplexes. Rob then perplex. Yeah. Because like, I think it's, if you just go into a sealed and you pull bad, right? Like you're just, your pulls like two bad rares, but you have like four probs. You're probably still going to win a lot of games. Yeah. Because you're going to make sure you're, you, you hit. Yeah. yeah you're hitting, and there's a good chance that they're missing. Right. That's true. I, I usually I pull okay sealed. I did go to one sealed. It was the, um, I'll tell you this. This is terrible. The, uh, Xavier's school, uh, X-Men's Xavier school. And yep. I was doing that. And out of my 10, I, I, I had to use eight of my figures and I could not put together a theme team. Yep. I, I had, was like, had some of those with that, that set. <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be the worst day of my life. And it was. <laughs> it was just so hard to get that team to work. I was, yep. on, I was like, oh well. Oh well. Um, okay. So moving on. Uh, what figure do you think is currently underrated and why is it underrated? Um, uh, I would think probably like bizarro green arrows underrated right now. Oh yeah. I saw one for sale for $25. Yeah. I'm like, what are you doing? Dude, aren't they still good? Yeah. People are sleeping on him. Um, it's just because like X-Men were huge for a little bit and then everybody thought, well, okay. uh, the, The whole game is close combat now. Well, and then like, well, okay, me are seeing a bunch of play. Well, yeah, but it's still really good. Like, I have a team. If I was confident, I'd be playing it at Worlds, but I have no time to put it in. But it's playing Bizarro Green Arrow. It's playing like Mangog, and it's playing Sheriff Steve Rogers and a bunch of Perplex. And it like goes Mangog at 22 defense in the front and say, deal with it. And then. Holy crap. Or you like put uh, Bizarro Green Arrow up to a 20, and then you can minus two their attack, but they can't increase it at all. So you're effectively a 22 with him. Like. 
Hmm. It's just I, I I'm not gonna have any time to put it on a map. So if somebody can put that team on a map, do it, play it, and I'll love you. But like uh, it, I think Bizarro Greenero is super slept on right now just because of Mjolnir and Wolverines. But the game is still kind of range reliant. So. Yeah, I agree with you. There's still a lot of range out there, and uh, even even the even as you said, the Wolverines pack range in their ID call-ins. You know, yep. I understand. There's a couple of maps that can really slow them down too. Yeah, and Mangog just kills that entire team. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. There too with his double attacks, right? And, so, and if you so, put them to a 22 defense and in front of your team, they have to roll 11s. Not it's easy. Super. Yeah, not easy. Like, and they can't perplex him down. So, like, I think the team's good enough. I'm just not confident enough to play it. Well, and that's one of those ones that you – I mean, it's just one of those you've got them together. you got that team together. But, I mean, you do you – need, you need to play test, play test that, you know, because yeah. you, you're going to have to find how it kills stuff. Yeah, Plus it's, it's really good on paper, like what we were talking about earlier. It's great on paper, but I'm not going to – it's good in practice. Yeah, yeah. Well, once it hits the map, does it really work that way or does it just this clunky – little behemoth that walks around and gets his tail handed to it all the time. Right. right. Okay. Um, So, okay. How many team ideas do you have in a month? How many actually make it onto the map? Oh man. Uh, Team ideas in a month. Uh, Or or, or is this one of these uh, like Heroclix buildings, anonymous (laughs) confessions here? I mean, this is, this is one of those. Cause uh, like it's up there, man. It's, Let's go a day. How many do you have in a day? Um, some days zero, but other <laughs> days when I'm at work and super bored, 10, 15. <laughs> 10 to 15 teams. You're just pumping them out, right? I mean, yeah. how do you how do you filter those into a testing? Um, so uh, that's a lot more difficult. A lot of the time, it's I will mentally do it. Oh, like, how would I place this on the map? Um, what square can I reach to? And just what can I do here? What would I do here? And a lot of teams get filtered out in the mental part. So, okay. That's um, cool. yeah. And a lot of my testing is literally just coming home, putting it on a map myself and moving it around. Like, I don't get to practice much. Like, I don't have a local. Um, I play a little bit on Roll20, but I don't get a whole hell of a lot of games in. Oh, so so you get to just move it around on a map and kind of map it out against different things and play yourself. Yeah. You know? Yeah, which I think is harder because you kind of know what you're wanting to do. So when you're playing yourself, it's yep. sometimes you give the opponent the advantage because you know right. what you do. And so um, what figure do you expect to see the most at Worlds and why? Um, Starro, because you can buy it there and a lot of people want to play it. Oh, yeah. And they've seen Daniel play it. At, yep. at the rock rock cup so yeah i can see that it's gonna you don't think it's gonna turn into another faust where you go buy the team you need to run no like star is good but he's not that good he's not auto win he's not oppressive yeah like they're like he's not oppressive to the format he doesn't need errated he doesn't need nerfed he's fine he just people just need to learn how to play against him and then, right right and he's he, definitely beatable it just you know, I mean, I lost with it, right? <laughs> right. There you go. That's no. right. Because who didn't who you and who took the exact same team to? Me rock? and Dan. 
You and Dan. Dan won. You. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, what team is still a dark horse contender at Worlds and why? Uh, so this was one I thought long on, and I would just have to guess that like Wales. Oh man, I want Wales to do well. I, I want the Wales to do well. I, I think like, that's neat. It's good. Like people sleep on how good it is. It just it you have to roll well. Like sometimes you just need to roll nines and that's fine. Like it has no problem, no perplex. So if luck be on your side, you're gonna win that event. Do you, do you think people get too caught up in like okay, like you said, sometimes you have to roll nines. It's a good team, and sometimes you're just gonna have to roll nines. Do you think people get too caught up in making all the rolls be fives and stuff like that? No, I think I think you should always want all of your rolls to be five. Anything <laughs> <laughs> like, you do to make your attacks hit, like math is math. Like make it better, right? One big math problem. There you go. Keep keep making it. Keep 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 making it easier to hit stuff. Yep. Okay. You know, this has been a lot of great information. You want to add anything that might help people with team building or anything like that? Um, no, I think we pretty much covered anything that I would want to say here. Okay. That's awesome. Uh, I do have a couple of viewer questions. We're not going to do all of them. Malcolm always sends me these questions. Malcolm Rush. Yeah. I know he's the guy from Japan. Yep. yep. Sends these out. So um, I only, I'm only going to take two. He sent me six, but there's two or three that look really good. Um it's number two that I have on the list. It's what do you look for in a hero clip characters, equipment, relics, and or resources to help out you, your other weaker characters or improve other characters? That one looks interesting. Um, so the first thing I would look for would be what gives me more powers outright. Just if I can gain extra powers, that's always good. Um, otherwise, for weaker, like actually weaker characters, um, stealth. If something can give them stealth, like Dr. Midnight, that's always good. Stealth. Anything that gives you a universal, is that what you're saying? Like a Yeah. Anything that can give my whole team something. Or, you know, at least multiple characters. Okay. Is what I would be looking for first for a support. Um, so and you know, and then obviously perplex prob out with. All right, cool. And, and number five, I thought this was neat. If you can give a hero clicks to another hero hero clicks player for a christmas present what would it be and why um so I, uh this one's tough because there's a lot of people i'd like to give a lot of different things to but it would either be to chris smotherman or pedro rocha both of them are collectors and are super excited when they get stuff like uh i just sent uh chris motherman my hawkeye uh, I traded it to him and he was like, well, did you ever do anything with this Hawkeye? I'm like, well, this is the Hawkeye that raised the price of all other Hawkeyes. Oh, nice. The one on, at nationals, I machine gun Dustin Cedars, Bizarro Green Arrow. And he went up 40 bucks that day. Hey, that was an awesome maneuver. I thought yeah. that was amazing. That was yeah. cool. And so I sent him that Hawkeye and he was excited and there's nothing better than that like i love seeing when people get excited about getting things not just because it's a good piece but because there's something else tied to it. like uh i did a trade with pedro that he wanted me to sign my round table card and the, that was the round table that i won my first ever tournament with 
That is cool. Those are cool gifts. So you, they, they, they got to be more than a piece. They got to have a little meaning behind it. Right. right. Yeah. I would want to give them like uh, my Blackbird that I won Canadian Nationals with. Oh, that's awesome. One of them, I think, would be excited to own something like that. I, I think that's a little history, a little Heroclix lore to it. A little, little yeah, yeah. history. That's awesome. I like that. I like that. Um, okay. This is a random question. You still wearing the kilt? Always. I'm actually sponsored uh, by Utilikilts now. Awesome. Yeah. I love those. I have, I, I don't have a Utilikilt. Uh, Kilt Man. I think Kilt Man's one I got at Surrey, but that's awesome. Yeah. It's cool. I like it. The Kilted one coming soon to a Heroclix venue. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, that's about it for me. I mean, um, oh, wait. I do have two. Okay. And these are random questions, and I just thought of them. Number one, here he is. Alex Wilder, Wilder, impact or not? Uh, impact. Yeah, I think so. I he's think, not broken. He's good. Like he's, he's good. good. And you can only have one, but he does give you two of the three support powers that you said. Twenty-five points with mystical keyword. Yeah, that's that's huge. And the other one is, do I have her in here? Molly. Uh, Molly Hayes, um, I'm on the fence. I feel like she's good enough, but I feel like there's other things. Like I can't justify playing her like over a Surter or over an Alex Wilder. But, yeah, especially since she can only do take one action, action right. token, and she doesn't have charge. And her actual better attack values on her second one, but she drops a, a damage value. Right, but, so but I think she's good. Like I'm not. I wouldn't fault anybody for playing her. I just won't. I don't see myself ever playing her. Yeah, Alex Wilder, though, though I think is very big. Yeah, uh, I think he, him, and uh, here's the other one. Oh, I don't have him out in front of me. Uh, Sheriff Strange. Yes, Sheriff yes. Strange and Sheriff Steve. Yeah, there you go. I agree. I mean, Sheriff Strange is going to slow down your ID call-ins. Yep, and that's and that's huge, especially against a blackbird. When it's <laughs> well, it doesn't affect the resource style of the blackbird. That's true. It wouldn't affect the uh, what do you call the real boy ones, yeah, the right? Real but it would slow down his ability to call in an ID. And, yep, and ID re- re- reliant teams, uh, they would they would hurt like Unimine. Isn't sometimes I think Unimine mills are a little ID reliant. A little bit they can be, but people also need to realize if you just make it to where Unimine has to shoot you, he'll go thirteen for six and just shoot you. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, I know that's crazy. That's crazy, stupid. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. Um, all right. Um, one last one. Is there a unicorn that you keep trying to make work that has just eluded you? Um, I don't think so. I mean, there's pieces I've tried to play that are just bad. But nothing I've like not just accepted the fact that they're bad. Like I played Modoc Pool at a tournament once. Like <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I've played some bad stuff at events. Hey man, but you you're willing to take the risk. I like that about you. You're willing to take a risk and you know that's cool. Yeah, I play this game to have fun first. Hey, there you go. Um all right. Um let's see. You got any shout outs you want to make out to anybody there? Um shout out to Utilikilts for being awesome. There you go, and they <laughs> and they sponsor you, so that's awesome, right there. I just got my first kilt in the mail, and they're talking about designing me my own T-shirt. So, oh wow, minor, cool, yeah. minor celebrity. Hey, and don't you, and and really, don't you have something coming out? Aren't you trying to do some stuff on YouTube? I thought I saw where you were trying to do some stuff. Man, I've started it, and I just have not been able to keep up with it. Like, 
I've got it all created, but I haven't been able to make any content. So I haven't put it out yet until I'm ready to do the content. I've just been so busy lately. Um, I mean, I hats off to you. It's hard to do something on your own. I, any, anybody that goes out and does that, that's really hard because you have to keep the energy and you have to find the time and all that. Right. So, awesome. Awesome. I, I can't wait to see some content from you. I know we'll all eat it up. So, um, hey, at this time, I'm going to do my shout outs. It's going to be Devin, Michael, Jesse, John, Carl, Symbio, Mark, Malcolm, and all others who have helped me on this journey. Uh also, parting shots. Email your comments and questions to lostinclicks at gmail.com or contact me on AC Realms under the ID of Colossus TN. Like our Facebook page, you can search on Facebook by typing in at Heroclix Borderlands. Please rate and review the podcast under iTunes. For some reason, they like it when I get a review. Love to hear your new WKO ideas and national or world's ideas. And if you're looking for an online match or have a team you want to play against me, just contact me. I don't mind to get out there. I've been on Roll20 several times. Uh, love to hear from other viewers going to net to worlds. Uh, do you have anything left to say there, PJ? No, I don't think so. All right. So I guess we're going to sign off here and remember, keep rolling double sixes because when you roll double sixes, you never miss. I'll talk to y'all later. Bye. Bye.